Chapter eighty eight of Thomas Wingfold, Curate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Thomas Wingfold, Curate by George MacDonald. Chapter eighty eight. The Bloodhound Traversed. Emmeline's mother had not gone far before she became aware that she was followed. It was a turning of the tables which she did not relish. As would not have been unnatural, even had she been at peace with all the world, a certain feeling of undefined terror came upon her and threatened to overmaster her. It was the more oppressive that she did not choose to turn and face her pursuer, feeling that to do so would be to confess consciousness of cause. The fate of a daughter, seldom absent from thoughts, now rose before her in association with herself, and was gradually swelling uneasiness into terror. Who could tell but this man pressing on her heels in the solitary meadow, and not the poor youth who lay dying there in the chair, and who might indeed be only another of his victim, was the murderer of Evnian. Unconsciously, she accelerated her pace until it was almost a run, but did not thereby widen by a single yard the distance between her and the curate. When she came out on the high road, she gave a glance in each direction, and, avoiding the country, made for the houses. A short lane led her into Pine Street. There she felt safe, the more that it was market day and a good many people about, and slackened her pace, feeling confident that her pursuer, whoever he was, would now turn aside. But she was disappointed, for, casting a glance over her shoulder, she saw that he still kept the same distance behind her. She saw also in that single look that he was well known for several were saluting him at once. What could it mean? It must be the J.B. of the temple. Should she stop and challenge his pursuit? The obstacle to this was a certain sinking at the heart accounted for by an old memory. She must elude him instead, but she did not know a single person in the place or one house where she could seek refuge. There was an hotel before her, but unattended, heated, disordered, to all appearance disreputable. What account could she give of herself? That she had been followed by someone everybody knew, and to whom everybody would listen? Feebly debating thus with herself, she hurried along the pavement of Pine Street with the Abbey Church before her. The footsteps behind her grew louder and quicker. The man had made up his mind and was coming up with her. He might be mad, or ready to run all risks. Probably he knew his life at stake through her perseverance and determination. On came the footsteps, but the curate had indeed made up his mind to speak to her and either remove or certify his apprehension. Nearer yet, and nearer they came. Her courage and strength were giving way together, and she should be at his mercy. 
she darted into a shop sank on a chair by the counter and begged for a glass of water a young woman ran to fetch it while mr drew went upstairs for a glass of wine returning with it he came from behind the counter and approached the lady where she sat leaning her head upon it meantime the curate also had entered the shop and placed himself where he might unseen by her await her departure for he could not speak to her there he had her full in sight when mr drew went up to her do me a favour madam he said but said no more for at the sound of his voice the lady gave a violent start and raising her head looked at him the wine glass dropped from his hand she gave a half-choked cry and sped from the shop the curate was on the spring after her when he was arrested by the look of the draper he stood fixed where he had left him white and trembling as if he had seen a ghost he went up to him and said in a whisper who is she mrs drew answered the draper and the curate was after her like a greyhound a little crowd of the shop people gathered in consternation about their master pick up those pieces of glass and called jacob to wipe the floor he said then walked to the door and stood staring after the curate as he all but ran to overtake the swiftly gliding figure the woman ignorant that her pursuer was again upon her track and hardly any longer knowing what she did hurried blindly towards the churchyard presently the curate relaxed his speed hoping she would enter it when he would have her in a fit place for the interview upon which he was if possible more determined than ever now that he had gained so unexpectedly such an absolute hold of her she must be Emmeline's mother he said to himself fit mother for such a daughter the moment he caught sight of the visage lifted from its regard of the sleeping youth he had suspected the fact he had not had time to analyze its expression but there was something dreadful in it a bold question would determine the suspicion she entered the churchyard saw the abbey door open and hastened to it she was in a state of bewilderment and terror that would have crazed a weaker woman in the porch she cast a glance behind her there again was her pursuer she sprang into the church a woman was dusting a pew not far from the door who is that coming she asked in a tone with in with a mien that appalled mrs jenkins she had put to stretch her neck a little to see through the porch why it be only the parson ma'am she answered then i shall hide myself over there and you must tell him i went out by that other door he is a sovereign for you i thank you ma'am said mrs jenkins looking wistfully at the sovereign which was a great sum of money to the sexton's wife with children then instantly going on with her dusting but it ain't no use trying of tricks with our parson he ain't one of your mollies a man as don't play no tricks with hisself as i heard a gentleman say it ain't no use trying no tricks with him almost while she spoke the curate entered 
the suppliant drew herself up and endeavoured to look both dignified and injured would you oblige me by walking this way for a moment he said coming straight to her without a word she followed him a long way up the church to the stone screen which divided the chancel from the nave there in sight of mrs jenkins but so far off that she could not hear a word said he asked her to make take a seat on the steps that led up to the door in the centre of the screen again she obeyed and wingfold sat down near her are you emmeline's mother he said the gasp the expression of eye and cheek the whole startled response of the woman revealed that he struck the truth but she made no answer you had better be open with me he said for i mean to be very open with you she stared at him but either could not or wouldn't speak probably it was caution she must hear more the curate was already excited and i fear now got a little angry for the woman was not pleasant to his eyes i want to tell you he said that the poor youth whom your daughter's behaviour made a murderer of she gave a cry and turned like ashes the curate was ashamed of himself it seems cruel he said but it is the truth i say he is now dying will be gone after her in a few weeks the same blow killed both only one has taken longer to die no end can be served by bringing him to justice indeed if he were arrested he would but die on the way to prison i have followed you to persuade you if i can to leave him to his fate and not urge it on if ever man was sorry or suffered for his crime and pray what is that to me sir cried the avenging mother who finding herself entreated straight away became a rogan will it give me back my child the villain took her precious life without giving her a moment to prepare for eternity and you ask me her mother to let him go free i will not i have vowed vengeance and i will have it allow me to say that if you die in that spirit you will be far worse prepared for eternity than i trust your poor daughter was what is that to you if i choose to run the risk it is my business i tell you it shall not be my fault if the wretch is not brought to the gallows but he cannot be leave to reach it the necessary preliminaries would waste all that is left of his life i only ask of you to let him die in what peace is possible to him we must forgive our enemies you know but indeed he is no enemy of yours no enemy of mine the man who murdered my child no enemy of mine i am his enemy then and that he shall find if i cannot bring him to the gallows i can at least make every man and woman in the country point the finger of scorn and hatred at him i can bring him and all his to disgrace and ruin their pride indeed they were far too grand to visit me but not to send a murderer into my family i am in my rights and i will have justice we shall see if they are too grand to have a nephew hung 
my poor lovely innocent i will have justice on the foul villain cringing shall not turn me her lips were white and her teeth set she rose with the slow movement of one whose intent if it had blossomed in passion was yet rooted in determination and turned to leave the church it might hamper your proceedings a little said wingfold if in the meantime a charge of bigamy were brought against yourself mrs drew her back was towards the curret and for a moment she stood like another pillar of salt then she began to tremble and laid hold of the carved top of the bench but her strength failed her completely she sank on her knees and fell on the floor with a deep moan the curate called mrs jenkins and sent her for water with some difficulty they brought her to herself she rose shuddered drew her shawl about her and said to the woman i am sorry to give so much trouble when does the next train start for london within an hour answered the curate i will see you safe to it excuse me i prefer going alone that i cannot permit i must go to my lodgings first i will go with you she cast on him a look of questioning hate yielded and laid two fingers on his offered arm they walked out of the church together and to the cottage where for privacy she had lodged there he left her for half an hour and yielding to her own necessities and not his entreaties she took some refreshment in the glowing sullenness of foiled revenge the smoke of which was crossed every now and then by a flash of hate she sat until he returned before i go with you to the train said the curate re-entering you must give me your word to leave young lingard unmolested i know my friend mr drew has no desire to trouble you but i am equally confident that he will do whatever i ask him if you will not promise me from the moment you get into the train you shall be watched do you promise she was silent with cold gleaming eyes for a time then said how am i to know that this is not a trick to save his life you saw him you could see he is dying i tell you i do not think he can live months his disease is making rapid progress he must go with the first of the cool weather she could not help believing him i promise she said but you are cruel to compel a mother to forgive the villain that stabbed her daughter to the heart if the poor lad were not dying i should see that we gave himself up as indeed he set out to do some weeks ago but was frustrated by his friends he is dying for love of her i believe i say so with truth pity and love and remorse and horror of his deed have brought him to the state you saw him in to be honest with you he might have got better enough to be tortured for a while in a madhouse for no jury would have brought him in anything but insane at the time with the evidence that would have been adduced that in his anxiety to see me one day for his friends at the time did not favour my visits because i encouraged him to surrender he got out of the house alone to come to me 
but fainted in the churchyard and lay on the damp earth for the better part of an hour i fancy before we found him still had it not been for the state of his mind he might have got over that too as you hope to be forgiven you must forgive him he held out his hand to her she was a little softened and gave him hers allow me one word more said the curate and then we shall go our crimes are friends that will hunt us either to the bosom of god or the pit of hell she looked down but her look was still sullen and proud the curate rose took up a bag went with her to the station got her ticket and saw her off then he hastened back to drew and told him the whole story poor woman said her husband but god only knows how much i am to blame for all this if i had behaved better to her she might never have left me and your poor young friend would now be well and happy perhaps consuming his soul to a cinder with that odious drug said wingfold tis true as edgar and king lear says the gods are just and our pleasant vices make instruments to plague us but he takes our sins on himself and while he drives them out of us with a whip of scorpions he will yet make them work his hands he defeats our sins makes them prisoners forces them into the service of good changes them like galley slaves to the rowing benches of the gospel ship or set them like ugly gargoyles or cobbles or brackets in the walls of his temples no that last figure i retract i don't like it it implies their continuance poor woman said mr drew again who for once had been inattentive to the curate well she is sorely punished too she will be worse punished yet said the curate if i can read the signs of character she is not repentant yet though i despise in her just once a touch of softening it is an awful retribution said the draper and i may yet have to bear my share god help me i suspect it is the weight of her own crime that makes her so fierce to avenge her daughter i doubt if anything makes one so unforgiving as guilt unrepented of well i must try to find out where she is and keep an eye upon her that will be easy enough but why because if as you think there is more evil in store for her i may yet have it in my power to do her some service i wonder if mr polworth would call that divine service he added with one of his sunny smiles indeed he would answered the curate End of chapter 88